You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Man, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Why don't you go ahead and give somebody a fist pump as you're being seated in the Lord's presence this morning. Give it up for the worship team and the worship band for the awesome job that they've done and they, are, they continue to do. So good every week to see Pastor Jerome back with us. Pastor Jerome, it's, if it's okay, yeah, give it up for Pastor Jerome. This is me talking to you now. We're going to pretend nobody is around. If it's okay if I can say this. I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you this. This past week, I was listening to a podcast, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. I'm sure you've heard of him. And uh, at the end of his sermon, Pastor Samuel had a word for his church and word for all those who were listening. And as soon as I heard that word, Pastor Jerome, I thought of you. As soon as I heard that word, I thought of you and the struggles that you've been through this past year. And Sister Racine, who's right there, your wonderful companion, your entire family. But this is what I felt like the Lord was saying and what Pastor Samuel said, and I felt like it was for you. You have three choices this year. You can either choose to look down and be discouraged and, and be wondering, God, why did I have to go through what I went through this past year? God, why did I have to deal with the situations that I went through? And that's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to be discouraged. The enemy wants you to be looking down because if he knows if you're not looking up or look, you can't see. You have that choice. The second choice is you can look around. Lift up your head and look around at the situations and everything that you may be going through. And you know what? Who knows what this year holds? You can choose to look at those situations. Or, and this is the, this is the posture that I felt like the Lord was wanting you to, to do. To not look down. To not look around, but to look up. Because if you look up, that's where your help comes from. If you look up, that's where your restoration comes from. If you look up, that's where your healing comes from. So don't look down. Don't look around. Keep looking up. Because the Lord will guide and direct your steps. Listen, what you went through wasn't an accident. And when you were going through this situation, we're all wondering what's going on and all that. But the Lord brought you through. You still have breath in those lungs. You still have breath in those lungs. You know what that means? That means the Lord's not done with you yet. Lord, I just pray right now. Everybody stretch your hands towards Pastor Jerome. Lord, we just pray right now for Pastor Jerome, Lord God, and for Sister Racine and their entire family, Lord God. We pray for continual healing, continual restoration in his body, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We pray that, Lord God, he would just look up to you this year, Lord God. Look up to you for guidance. Look up to you for direction, Lord. Yes, Lord, we thank you for the calling that's on his life. We thank you that you're not done with him yet. We thank you for the breath that's in his lungs and what you've called him for. Lord, he's going to do things that he never even thought he would do this year. He's going to say things that he never even thought he would say this year. He's going to sing songs that he never even thought he would sing this year. 
And everywhere you go, every step that he takes is going to be in victory. He's going to be walking, literally walking. Every step that he takes, he's walking in the healing, in the restoration that you've already provided for him. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. We thank you for Pastor Jerome. We thank you for Sister Racine. We thank you for their entire family. We thank you that you're not done with them yet. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Sorry, just had to talk to Pastor Jerome there really quick, if that's okay. I wanted to do that publicly, Pastor Jerome, because I wanted you to hear that from the Lord, but I also feel like the church is gonna be able to help support you in anything that you have to do. We're here to support you in anything that you have to do. Just like we came alongside you through all that you've been through, we're here for you. We love you. We know that God's got a calling and a purpose on your life. Amen. Amen. We're going to be reading this morning, and it's going to be a long passage of Scripture, so you probably do not have to stand, but you can look at the, uh, the words on the screen. If you feel compelled to stand, you're more than welcome to do so. But I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 19, and it's so wonderful that Pastor gave me the opportunity to be able to be a part of this series with him. However, he did put a lot of pressure on me, <laughs> thinking that this is his favorite sermon. In fact, when we were talking last week uh, about this passage, he was telling me what all he would preach, and I almost recorded it and said, this is what I'm going to preach. Uh, <laughs> but this is also one of my favorite passages of Scripture as well, and I'm sure it's a passage, if you've uh, ever read through the book of Acts, it's one that you probably remember. Um, but we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 12. I'm be reading from verses 1 to 19, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't have the New Living Translation, the words are on the screen. Really quick, wanted to give a shout-out shout out to Abby Fellenstein, who helps us with the uh, PowerPoints and a lot of the graphics that we do. Give it up for Abby and the calling that's on her life. I know, listen, she's the jack-of-all-trades. She's not in here for service because she's teaching the, the kids, but she does a great job with the graphics. All right, Acts chapter 12, 1 to 19 from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, which is John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration, which is very key. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So 16 soldiers over the guard of one person. Tell me Herod did not, was not afraid of what God could do. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. He was so concerned about appeasing the Jewish people that he wanted to arrest them, but he also wanted to make sure that he was adhering to their beliefs and to their laws. Verse 5, but while Peter was in prison, everybody say, while Peter was in prison. While Peter was in prison, the church what? The church prayed very earnestly for him. Verse 6, the night before Peter was, placed, was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two, two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter, in verse 9, left the cell following the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't even realize it was actually happening. They passed, and they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and the angel suddenly left him. 
In verse 11, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The, angel, the Lord has sent his angel and had saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders and from what they had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went home to, to, uh, to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Listen, it's important to note that at the beginning of this passage, we see that the church is praying. And at the, right here in verse, uh, verse 12, we see that the church is still praying. I'm going to say that again. The church started praying and the church was continuing praying. We'll get back to that in a second. Verse 13, he knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When, he rec- when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided, they decided it must be his angel. They thought Peter was already killed. Verse 16, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Then when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down, and he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James, this being the half-brother of Jesus, obviously not the James who was, who was uh, uh, killed at the beginning of this passage, just being the half-brother of Jesus. Tell James the, and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At, the, at dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for the service. We pray that you would just, Lord God, move in a way that only you can move over these next few moments. We consecrate this service to you, Lord God. Open up this passage of scripture in a way that you've never opened it up to us. I pray that, Lord God, we can learn through last week, this week, and next week, Lord God, truly what it means to consecrate ourselves and to pray and to rely on you for help. Lord, bless these lips of clay, Lord God. I pray that you would just spill everything out of me that doesn't belong and fill me with your words and allow me to preach the word that you have for me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I absolutely love reading the book of Acts. The book of Acts is one of my favorite books to read and not only the entire New Testament, but also the entire Bible. And I, fe- I think, actually, it was a couple years ago, Pastor, I don't know if I helped you, but you actually preached a sermon series on the book of Acts. And the reason why I love reading and, and studying the book of Acts is because the book of Acts provides us with basically a roadmap as to what's going to happen through much of the entire New Testament. So you have from the inception of the church, and you see that in the book, beginning of the books of, book of Acts, chapter 1, Jesus had already been crucified, and, and he, he was resurrected from the dead. He's about ready to ins- ascend into heaven. And then in Acts chapter 1, he's trying to call, and he's appointing the church to say, okay, my job is done. Now it's your turn to take the baton, take the torch, pass it, and, and, and to move on and continue to spread the church uh, as we know it today. I absolutely love reading the stories about those who were leaders in the church, who were stepping up and saying, hey, it's, it, the, Jesus has said this, we believe this, and we're going to continue to preach this message despite what may happen. And a lot of things happen. There was a lot of persecution that happened. There was a lot of resistance that happened because as Jesus, when he was in the Gospels, and we we see him say that if they're going to crucify and kill me, you should expect that as well. But I love hearing about how the church, despite all of the resistance, despite all of those things that the enemy through people tried to put in their way, they decided we're going to press forward anyway. 
We're going to press forward anyway. We're going to choose to persevere. We're going to choose to fight through all the resistance. And I believe in the United States of America and all over the world, God is calling and looking for a church that's going to do the same exact thing in 2024. Okay. I believe that God is calling the church to be just as persistent. God is calling the church, the capital C church, not just the Lake Lake Erie church, but the church all around the world to be as persistent as the church was in in the book of Acts. Because if we truly want to see revival, if we truly want to see change take place, we have to be as persistent as the early church was. And it's important for us to realize that these people faced a lot of persecution. And you read all the way up through the chapter in which we just read, uh, the beginning part of chapter 12, and about all the different things, the people who were punished. And and Paul himself was one of the ones who was carrying out the punishment. He was carrying out the deaths. But the uh, the church went forward anyway, and the church multiplied. The reason why the church multiplied, and we're told this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is because all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A whole series of sermons could be preached just on that passage of Scripture, but what I want to focus on and what we're focusing on over these next, the last week, next week, and this week was, is the fact that the church was praying. As a result of the church's prayers, the church was able to expand and grow. And you see all throughout Acts how how the people come in, they try to take out the church, and you see as the resistance grew, so too did the church. Instead of trying to thwart out and stamp out the movement, they actually caused the movement to blow up and to expand because God had a plan and God had a purpose. He was just looking for a church who would not give up and would continue to devote themselves to prayer, continue to consecrate themselves. And God is looking for that same church. Listen, that's a call that's been passed down through the centuries all the way up until today. God is looking for a church that despite what may happen, despite what the enemy may have for you in 2024, the Lord's plan And the Lord's purpose is bigger and better. You just have to trust and rely on him. You have to continue to consecrate yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to prayer. Christians were arrested, thrown in jail, beaten, and executed. Leaders of the movement experienced the worst treatment. And that's where we pick up where we are today. At the beginning of this passage, we read that King Herod of Agrippa was doing his job. In fact, it says, and I was looking, doing some research on this passage, it says that King Herod Agrippa was doing his job better than anybody had ever done it before because he believed that he owed a debt to his predecessors that he needed to try to do better than what they did. So he was trying, he, his, his reach expanded in trying to round up all these Christians. We read that James and Peter were both leaders of the Christian movement and both were captured. James was killed and Peter was sent to prison. The reason why he was not killed, Peter was not killed is because of Passover and Herod was trying to appease the Jews. While all of this was happening, we see in verse 5 that the church was praying. While all of this is happening, we see that the church is praying. And I believe that there are five truths to prayer that we can learn from this passage that we're going to talk about here momentarily and hopefully get through that pretty quick so that way we can spend some time at the end of service praying. So there are five truths to prayer. If you're taking notes, say, right, the first one is this. In difficult situations, we need to pray. In difficult situations, 
we need to pray. The church could have very easily chosen to react in fear of what was taking place. James was already killed. Peter was in prison, and he was about to be killed. These are literally leaders of their movement at the time, and they're being killed and in prison. As a result of this fear, they could have retreated for fear of their own lives. But instead, they chose to pray. Now listen, I always get envious of those who are in difficult situations and their first response is to pray. I always like to think that that's myself until I'm in a difficult situation, but I know myself uh, pretty good, and I know that when I'm in difficult situations, I'm the type of person who likes to plan. Do I have any planners in the room? People call us OCD. I don't know what that is. I like to plan. And if I'm going through a difficult situation, for instance, our refrigerator, we had an issue where our refrigerator literally started gushing water out of the back of it on New Year's Eve. Paul and Noel are here. They were there. It's Noel Passerelle's fault. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it started gushing out water. And my first instinct in that moment is not to pray. It should be, but it's not. My first instinct is okay. In that moment, it's okay. Step by step, what do we do? Turn off the water. Let's try to figure out what's going on. How can we fix this? What's the financial impact going to be? All that kind of stuff. And I forget sometimes because I'm a planner, because I want a step-by-step process, and because I'm such a detail-oriented person, I forget that in difficult situations, the first thing I should do is pray. We need to be going before the Lord in our difficult situations, and we need to be praying. We need to be going before the Lord in difficult situations, and we need to be praying. Is prayer the first thing that you do in a difficult situation? In difficult situations, it needs to be the first thing we do, not the last thing we do. I'm saying this to myself as well. In difficult situations, we need to rely not on our own power, but on the power of God. And we can't have access to God's power unless we go before the Lord in prayer and tap into God's power. The church, when faced with the situation of literally their leaders being killed, I'm sure they had a plan. They prayed. They spent time earnestly praying. Whatever you're facing this morning, have you taken the time to bring it before God in prayer? Do you have an unsaved loved one? I have some unsaved loved ones. When was the last time you prayed for them? When was the last time, instead of being frustrated with their lack of coming to the Lord, instead of being frustrated with their lack of accepting the love of Christ, when was the last time that despite all that frustration, you decided to say, I'm going to pray? We're going to be praying for our loved ones here as service closes. What about in a health crisis? Listen, I've been through health crisis before. I cut my eye open one time. The last instance I thought was to pray. I was like, i got to figure this out, you know, because I'm a detail-oriented person, step-by-step process. But God is calling us to pray. Maybe you're in a family crisis. Maybe your family's falling apart, whether through fault of your own or not. When was the last time? You went before the Lord in prayer. Our first instance, instinct, needs to be prayer. We want God to move on our behalf, and we want God to intervene in our situations, yet we choose to say, okay, God, we'll pray last. And I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. We need to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to put our priorities in God. We're going to pray first. We're going to pray first. When Peter was in prison facing death, The church prayed, and we needed the same. Everybody doing good this morning? 
I'm preaching better than you're letting on. As Pastor Phil used to say, I'm preaching so good, I'm going to do my own self an offering. Prayer. In difficult situations, what do we need to do? The church prayed, and things happened. The church prayed, and Peter's chains were broken. The church prayed, and Peter was released from prison. Come on, somebody. If you're giving up praying, don't stop praying. I don't care if the answer doesn't come tomorrow. Keep praying anyway. Don't allow the situations. Don't allow, come on. Don't allow the things that are happening in this world stop you from praying. We cannot be a church of this community unless we dedicate time and dedicate ourselves and consecrate ourselves to prayer because we can't say we're a church of the community and wonder, God, why aren't we reaching the community if we're not taking the time to pray? In difficult situations, pray. Second thing is this. Prayer gives us peace. We see this in verse 6. We're told that how impossible the situation looked for Peter. He was bound with two chains. There was a guard at the door, and he was under the guard of 16 soldiers each. And they were, he was actually bound to them. And listen, we were talking, and I've, I've, I've studied prison in the ancient world. Prison's not, and I've never been to prison today, don't want to go to prison today. But from what I understand, prison in the ancient world was nothing like it is today. Prison in the ancient world wasn't like this room. Like literally, prison in the ancient world sometimes was a hole in the ground, and you're putting that hole in the ground where people could come by and spit on you, where people could come by and desecrate on you, whatever they choose to do. Peter was in a difficult situation. Peter was almost in an impossible situation. But where do we find Peter? Where do we find him doing I don't know about you, but I'd be freaking out. Would you be freaking out if you were in that situation? If someone came in and arrested Jason Atkins, would you be saying, okay, I'm going to be put to death. I would not be doing what Peter's doing. Peter is sleeping. Facing death, he's sleeping. This reminds me of my wonderful wife, Katie. <laughs> I love you, dear. Because I say that first, Pastor. It's okay what I have to say after. Everybody picks on me because I bring Katie into all my messages. But you know what? She's the love of my life. And I like to say I learn a lot from her, but sometimes she just frustrates me. And in this instance in particular, she frustrated me. You guys remember a couple of months ago when we had those tornado warnings? Tornadoes came through Menor and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not typically the person who would worry about things. That's a lie from the devil. <laughs> Growing up, I've always been afraid of weather, honestly. I've always been afraid of uh, tornadoes. There's times where I would, if we'd get like anything close to a tornado warning in, in Conneaut, Ohio, which is right on the lake, probably not going to get a tornado. Anytime I would freak out, tell my family, get to, the, get to the basement, all that kind of stuff. I've gotten better in my older age. You should, give, you, should, you should give me a round of applause. Go ahead. Thanks. Thank you. It's all because of the Lord. We grow. But I'll tell you, that night... I was watching the weather. I don't remember what time it was. I had the weather on TV, and we saw those, those storms. They were coming from over the lake, and you saw how the green turned to yellow, how the yellow quickly turned to red. And listen, if it turns to purple, we're all in trouble. <laughs> it started turning to purple. And I'm not patient. I'm, not, I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, there's a tornado warning. We live on a cement slab. We need to call the neighbor. The neighbor had fallen. He was in the hospital. I was like, we're going to break into his house and get into his basement. Hey, you got to do whatever you can. Any means necessary, right? 
So I'm like freaking out. I'm, I'm, I'm pacing the room. I, I like to say that I was praying, but I, maybe I was. I don't remember. It's all kind of a blur. But one of the things I do remember is in this very panicky type situation, I go into our bedroom, and Katie's sleeping. Not only sleeping, she's doing the Holy Ghost. She's snoring, drooling everywhere. She's out like a light. I went in there the first time, dear. I didn't wake you up the first time. But I went in there. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Do you realize there's a tornado? I could see. the. It was dark. I couldn't see anything. But I could see. It's shifting. There was a shifting in the atmosphere. And Katie was sleeping. Hey, we have two girls. Someone's got to worry about the weather, right? No. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Katie, I did. I, um, I woke her up in a very casual way. <laughs> I said, dear, honey, tapped on her shoulder. It, you got to get up for under a tornado warning. No, I was like, Katie, there's a tornado warning. We have to do something. And she told me to shut up, stop freaking out, all that kind of stuff. I should have just left her asleep. And if the tornado goes, it's a Wizard of Oz moment. Huh? You know what I'm saying? You wake up and follow the yellow brick road. I don't know. But she was sleeping in a difficult situation. And that's what the picture I get of Peter here in this instance. Peter was able to sleep in this situation that appeared hopeless because Peter knew that he wasn't hopeless. Peter was able to sleep in the situation even though he was facing literal death the next day. Chained to guards, guards watching this almost impossible situation. Peter was able to sleep because he knew he served the God of the impossible. What situation do you need peace in? Peter had the peace of God that surpassed all understanding. When we look at the story, we cannot understand the peace that Peter had, but there he is sleeping. That's what prayer does for us. Earnest, sincere prayer. Prayer gives us the peace of God in hopeless situations. We're surrounded Right now, in our society, in our culture, that what appear to be hopeless situations. How many of you went to the grocery store and spent more money than you ever planned that you would ever spend on groceries? You're thinking, oh my God, is prices ever going to go down? That appears to be a hopeless situation. The economy, they're telling us statistic after statistic about the demise of the economy. I don't care who you blame it on or whatever, the economy seems to be a hopeless situation. We're surrounded by a, a, a world that's at war not only the war in Israel, but we see war breaking out and break everywhere. It's war everywhere else. There's racial strife. There's battle for our identity, and the church needs to be fighting that battle for our identity. Come on, somebody. We need to love our kids. We need to love our kids so that they can believe what we say God says they are, not what the school systems or anything else says that they are. It appears to be a hopeless situation. But we need to be praying in these situations. We need to be praying in these situations because the prayer of God makes us be able to look at these situations and say, there is hope and his name is Jesus. There is hope and there's a way out and his name is Jesus. Jesus, God wants to bring revival. God wants to bring restoration. God wants to bring peace. And we need to be as a church praying. And the, as a church, we need to be getting the peace but also administering the, and passing out the peace to everybody else that we come in contact with. Peace that we need is knowing that no matter how bad things get, 
As pastor says all the time, gas prices could shoot up to $10 a gallon tomorrow, but God will still be on his throne. Come on, somebody. You may be in a hopeless situation. You may be in a situation today that appears as though there's no way out. I don't know what your situation is, but what I do know is that God will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. And notice, church, peace does not mean inactivity. What do I mean by that? Peace and us saying, God, we want the peace that surpasses all understanding does not mean inactivity. When we experience peace, we need to break out of the four walls of this church and tell people, hey, it's going bad, but things are going to be turning around soon. Peace is not inactivity. Just because the church has peace does not pretend that we have nothing, we have no idea what's happening in the world around us. But we shift our focus. And we believe that even though we're in a hopeless situation, we serve a God who is the administrator of hope. Peace is what we need, and prayer gives us peace. I'm trying to get through this as fast as I can. Number three, God's answer to prayer may not be what we expect. I absolutely, it's almost humorous to see Peter's response to the, the, to the miracle that happened. It seems like during the whole time, he was just completely sleepwalking, essentially. At one point, he was sleeping, and he, he expecting to be killed the next day, and suddenly he was awakened by an angel helping him to escape. I can't even imagine, even though Peter had the peace, I can't even imagine what he thought, how God would intervene in this situation. But I'll tell you what, God exceeded that expectation. And the God that I serve and the God that you serve, he answers our prayer, but he does often in unexpected ways. And once again, me being the planner, that can be a little bit uncomfortable at times. Because when I go before the Lord in prayer, I say, okay, God, I'm going to pray for this situation. This is how I feel as though you should move. You should make one plus one equals two, so it makes sense in my eyes. And if it doesn't go that way, I really get discouraged. Being transparent with you. How many of you are like that? You don't have to raise your hand. Or you can raise your hand. We have our expectations of how God can answer our prayers. And oftentimes, God answers our prayers, but it's not to our expectation, but it doesn't mean that God is not answering your prayers. God is moving, and some, oftentimes when he doesn't have our expectation, he exceeds our expectations. You're praying for one loved one to come to the Lord, and that's what I'm praying right now for my own family. But God is saying, why just pray for one? You have a whole family of loved ones that need to come to the Lord. We're praying that God will move on behalf of peace in Israel. Why just pray for peace in Israel? God wants to bring peace all over the world. God wants to bring uh, economic uh, relief not only to us here personally, but all around the world. There are people in this world who are struggling worse than we are. And when we pray for economic relief, we need to be saying, God, make groceries cheaper for us, but also be with those kids in Ecuador who don't have water, who have to get money for Christmas presents. God answers our prayers, but he does so in exceeding of our expectations. It's not wrong to have expectations. It's not wrong to say, God, I, this is what I'm expecting, but it is wrong to say this is what I'm expecting, and then, God, if you don't do this, that means you're not answering my prayer. Because that could lead us to discouragement, and that can lead us to stop praying. Don't stop praying. God's answer is on the way. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. 
God's answer is on its way. And when the answer comes, it's going to be more than you expected. It's going to be, it's going to blow your mind. Peter was sleeping. He made it through not only the guards that were sleeping beside him, he made it through the, the four squads of guards, he made it through gates and all that kind of stuff, without any of them even knowing what happened. Talk about God exceeding expectations. I'm sure when the church was praying, in, in, chapter, in verse 5 there, they were saying, God, do something, intervene in this situation. It probably blew their minds. And we see at the end of the passage, this, this must be Peter's spirit. No, God is saying, no, 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 no. I am the God of exceeded expectations. That's the Apostle Peter who was once in prison and is now released. Listen, there may be people in your life who were once in prison, who are currently in prison, whether it be addiction or physically, literally in prison, or whatever that imprisonment may be, but God is saying, I am still on my throne. I can exceed your expectations. Continue to consecrate yourself to me. God's answer is on his way. But it may not be what you expect, but don't give up praying. The worst thing you can do is give up praying. We tap into the power of God if we give up praying. Off the heels of that, we learn, and number four, the point is this, prayer needs to be persistent. I already told you, but one of the things I love about this story, and I'm not sure if this is what you love, Pastor, but maybe it is. I love how we see at the church at the beginning in verse 5 praying, and in verse 12, they're still praying. <laughs> we need to pray like that. We need to be persistent in our prayers. We need to be doing more than I now I lay me down to sleep type prayers. As I was going through one of my classes this past semester, last spring, uh, we were talking about prayer. And the, the professor of the class, he was, he was talking to me, he used to be a pastor and in his church, he had this lady who was battling a very serious illness. I don't think it was cancer, but it was just an illness that she had had uh, from a very young age, and one that she was probably in her mid-40s, and she was still battling that illness. And every Sunday, she'd come up to the altar to pray and ask God to heal her. And the pastor, being who he was, would pray for her every single Sunday for countless, countless times. Well, one Sunday after he got done praying for this lady, one of his elders or deacons or whoever it was, maybe it was part of his prayer team, they tapped the pastor on the shoulder after the service and said, Pastor, when are, when are you going to stop praying for this lady? You can notice that the miracle isn't happening. Are you going to continue to pray for her or continue to pray? And, the, and he told us as a pastor, this is what he said. He said, if God doesn't answer the prayer in 200 prayers, I'll pray a 201st time. And if God doesn't answer it, I'll pray a 300th time. We need to be persistent in our prayers. We need to constantly be going to the Lord in prayer. Listen, there are people in my family that I've been praying for for several years now. Several. And when I mean several, I'm talking probably 15 plus years now to come back to the Lord, to enter into a relationship with the Lord. And there have been times where I've been discouraged. There have been times where it's been frustrating. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to continue to be persistent in my prayers because I don't care if it takes 351 times or 352. It may be that 352nd time where I see my oldest brother walk through those back doors, come up, and rededicate his heart to the Lord. We need a church that's going to be persistent in their prayers. 
How can we be an example to the world if we give up? And God is all powerful, all wonderful, all these other things. But when we pray, we then give up. We need to be persistent in our prayers, constantly tapping in, to constantly going before the Lord in prayer for the needs of those around us. Even if it takes 20 years worth of prayers, pray again. Pray again. The Greek word used here for prayer is extenius, and it means eagerly or constantly pray. The church was constantly praying for Peter. Are we constantly praying for the world around us? Are we constantly living our lives in prayer for those who are unsaved around us? Are we constantly praying for our economy? Are we constantly praying for those who are in leadership? Are we constantly praying for the world that we live in? Are we constantly praying? Are we just doing like I already said, we, now I'd lay me down to sleep type prayers and then we're done? Everybody look up here if you don't mind. I say this to the students all the time. I know sometimes you get distracted. God is wanting us here at Lake Erie Church. If anything, during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's going to teach us to be persistent in our prayers. Because if we want to see change in 2024, we have to persistently pray for change to take place. Are you persistent? Are you willing to persistently pray until something happens? Old pastors used to say the acronym PUSH, pray until something happens. For some reason, I think the church has lost that. We aren't pushing anymore. What's the opposite of push? Peace out, I'm done. (laughs) I got a schedule to beat. I got to be somewhere. I have to do some things. Are we praying until something happens? Last point is this. I'm getting ready to close. We learn this, the fifth point. We learn that intercessory prayer is key. Intercessory prayer is key. Referring to the church and their prayers, again, we see that intercessory prayer is key. In this passage, we are twice reminded, I've already said, that the church was praying for Peter. While Peter was going through a difficult situation, the church was putting all of their difficulties aside. The church that they themselves were literally being sought after to be persecuted and to be killed themselves, thrown in prison themselves. And instead of being fearful and instead of running away, they chose to pray. They chose to intercede on behalf of Peter. This is what intercessory prayer is. And if you want to write this down, jot this down so you don't forget. Intercessory prayer is simply prayer on behalf of somebody else. Intercessory prayer is putting others' needs maybe above your own in a given moment. Charles Spurgeon says this, famous pastor and theologian. This is what he says about intercessory prayer. He says, intercessory prayer is an act of communion with Christ for Jesus pleads for the sons of men. So basically what that quote says, it says, when you choose to intercede and pray on behalf of somebody else, you're joining in communion. You're literally having a prayer meeting with Jesus Christ himself. That's awesome. If you're interceding 
And you're saying, God, I'm praying right now for Stella Lamas. I'm interceding on her behalf. God is saying, okay, Jesus is right there alongside you and praying for Stella as well. You're joining in with communion. You're joining in the, the purpose of what Jesus is doing. The church was facing resistance themselves, but they chose to pray. We face resistance ourselves, but we need to be praying. As Christians, we need to spend time on behalf of praying for our brothers and sisters. Intercession, if you want a visual, is literally, this is what intercession is. Here's me, here's earth, here's heaven. It's me standing in the gap between earth and heaven for somebody else. You may encounter people in your life who don't have the power to stand in that gap, but God is saying, Jason Atkins, I've called you to stand in that gap. Heather Walter, stand in that gap and intercede on behalf of somebody else. Yeah, it may not be easy. Yeah, you might get fiery darts of the enemy, but I guarantee you, the only way this church is going to see God move on behalf of this community is if we choose to intercede and pray for this community. I don't care if you don't know anybody in this community. You should be praying for the schools. You should be praying for the, school, the state leadership, the city leadership. We need to be interceding on behalf of these people. There's my timer. Lord, I'm done. I was expecting that not coming from you. <laughs> Intercession is literally standing in the gap between heaven and earth. As Christians, we need to not be numb to the issues of the world. We want to see peace come to the Middle East. How many of you want to see peace come to the Middle East? Come on, somebody. Pray. There are churches, and we, we talked when Bishop Stephen Darnell was here, talked about how there are churches that are literally crumbling to the ground. We need to be interceding and praying for them. We want to see revival sweep across this nation. We need to pray. You want to see unity instead of division? We need to be praying. We need to see our lost loved ones return to the Lord. We need to be interceding and praying. You want to reach Madison, Lake County, the state of Ohio, the nation, the world? We need to be praying. When we look around and see the problems of this world, it's very e easy to open our mouths and criticize. But God is saying, why don't you just try opening your mouths and pray? Shut up the criticism. Sorry, I said the word shut up. Stop criticizing and start praying. It's easy to criticize. It's another thing to say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to become part of the solution, not continue to be part of the problem. And where we are in the world, it's easy to push the situations because they're not directly related to us. But I'll tell you what, God is still calling you to pray. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a passage that we've read several times. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, not criticize, not complain, not judge, but pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. When was the last time you prayed for the United States of America and their president? Hopefully, it's more recent than the last time you criticized the president. When was the last time you prayed for our state senators? Hopefully, it's more recent than the last time you criticized them. It's one thing for me to sit at 6871 Byron Road and criticize those who are in leadership. It's another thing to say, I'm just going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for him. 
It's hard to criticize if you're praying for somebody. We want to see change take place. We need to be praying. We need to be praying daily for all people and their needs. We need to find prayer partners that will intercede with us and, and group with us to be praying for people. One of the things I love about this church is uh, despite COVID, despite all that's happened, we have a prayer team that comes and meets on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they are interceding on behalf of all of you. You ever want to come on a Tuesday around 10 o'clock or a little bit before, you'll find up in the youth room, you'll find a group of ladies who are praying and interceding. COVID couldn't shut them down, right, Becky? They're still praying. And we need a church that's going to pray and do the same. We can make a difference if we pray on behalf of those who are hurting. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.